When I was a kid, I had these little dolls called Dawn Dolls. I had three male Dawn Dolls, a black, a white, and a gay. For heaven's sake. I am a flaming homosexual. Why don't you bring home any girls? And I said, because I'm gay. And she said, then why don't you bring home any boys? My boyfriend is a very tall man with big feet and hands. I've had some successes in my life. I even traveled 1,300 miles once when I was 11 years old. Because you were lost and just kept walking? <laughs> the real motto of that story is mental illness is no joke. Wait a minute. All I gums. feel is wet. Feels like I, I pooed myself. <laughs> I like guys that are vaguely black and or Spanish. I feel I bubbles. Think Something's bubbling. <laughs> crying out loud. Binging and purging does so much <laughs> for you. Look out, boys. I forgot you got shot. Yeah, in the leg. You're gangster. <laughs> yeah. I didn't even know you were gangster. I will be slathering it all over my entire body. Oh, come on. I'm going to sit on the wee-wee pad. Delicious. Can we get the janitorial uh, service up here? Because but, in my head, I heard the right word. Right, but there's a lot of voices in your head. How do you know what you're <laughs> to listen to? <laughs> Next. This woman is absolutely a mess. A true mess. And that's why I love her. Good evening everyone joe is over here like menopausal mary it's hot and he's the lights complaining are let's bright. see the lights are bright it's hot what <laughs> my else? kids don't call me anymore your your glasses are your glasses my glasses are fogging. are fogging up what maybe it's my mother she's, she's haunting you oh my god what if i become possessed What's the matter <laughs> with the Jews? You're not possessed already. <laughs> I know. Oh my goodness. What if we're gonna need an exorcism? Ryan, come on. What if? Oh. <laughs> uh, Welcome yep. everyone. Welcome Ryan to the show. Hello Let's everybody. Give him a great big hand. And I'm going to give my co-host here sort of an introduction. You know, when my mother passed away, I wasn't really receiving phone calls. You know, they, they came in, but I just, I wasn't really in the mood to speak with anyone. And Joe was very kind. He left condolences and texted me quite a bit of time. And when I finally called him back, I said, yeah, hello. And he basically said, I'm giving a blowjob and hung up on me. <laughs> That was the second time True story. we talked. True story. Now, t- yes. we hadn't spoken yet. We text. That's a true story, people. Oh. You didn't know that, Ryan, did you? That's true. I don't know that's if I wanted true. to know that or not. That's, that's true. Well, I, first time I'm finally, because he was very sweet. He, he texted me a few times. I hope you're okay. I don't know what to say. <laughs> and then I finally got up the strength to call him back. And I, hello. And he's like, oh, I'm giving a blowjob. And he hung up on me. <laughs> True story. <laughs> That's true. Really true story. So for any of you out there that feel bad that Joe has not friend requested you, just remember that story. Oh, <laughs> uh, so, that sums us up. Maybe can you take off your glasses? Oh my gosh, because I can't even see you. Take like off your jacket. He's wearing here. like a big sweatshirt. Ugh, the only kind of sweatshirt I can wear, Lois. Oh, he's whatever. 
<laughs> oh, I'm sorry. It's well, right. no, a thick. I meant to say thick, <laughs> oh, not okay. big. I take that back. That's right. <laughs> so our featured artist of the week this evening is Michael Sean, our beloved old co-host. Mm-hmm. I shouldn't say old. Our former co-host former from when co-host. we were on broadcast radio. Yeah. He is on broadcast radio, though. Every day he's heard on the Dallas station. What's the name of that station? Like K104 FM. He is uh, part of the crew at DD in the morning. But aside from that, he's an extremely talented comedian. And you can catch him on Twitter at Mike Sean Radio. But he has a label, a record label. It's called We the Worst Records. And tonight in our second break, we're going to be playing one of his original parodies. It's called Clean. So it should be interesting. All right. It's not about clean language or mm. anything. It's about cleaning house. Cleaning house. Which I think for 2017, everybody should clean house. Like metaphorically? metaphorically. Like get rid of like all the bad stuff in yes. your life? Oh, definitely. The bad definitely. stuff is so much fun. And Michael also tours. He is the originator of the Laugh Out Loud comedy tour. Coming to a venue near you. I'm going on and on about Mike Sean because I love him. And I hope one day, I'm going to pray on it every day, that we get to work with him again someday in mm-hmm. some capacity. So if check him squeeze us in. Check him out on Instagram at Mike Sean Comedy. And then it'll update you on all his different gigs. Doc Ivan pointed something out to me today. Doc Ivan being our collaborator. He said to me, a lot of people, especially those that have tuned into the show, during the relaunch don't know your story Mm -hmm. and I thought about that and I said you know what he's right so being that we didn't have a guest comedian this evening I thought maybe it is a good time to catch people up on my story my problem is where do I start right you know so well (laughs) I I guess I have a couple questions for you things that I I think I assume most people know the basics I'm going to go on that assumption but I don't think I would assume that because Doc Ivan had a, a law. And if you think about our guests since the mm-hmm. relaunch who had never been here. Right. And when the show ends, right. we kind of catch them up to speed. Right. Or they go over and they read the articles on the wall and they're like, right. oh my God. like The um, one, the headline that says Lois Burek's mother killed her father. Yes, kind of, yes, know. yes. Yeah, so that really happened. Yes. So take me, take me back to that evening. Was it on Thanksgiving? Is that a Thanksgiving no. story? No, that, uh, <laughs> God damn it, Marvin, where's no. the stuffing? Bang, bang, bang. No. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, there were a lot of revelations uh, that came up since my mother passed, like in these last few days where I've gone through emails, some I kind of regret <laughs> And opening emails, but some porn, no, but some that were quite eye opening. And there were a lot of letters, like boxes that I've gone through of things that she saved because she was going through things with a hospice worker and apparently she kept things. And she wanted me to have, and there were letters to my father when she was first pregnant. And there seemed to be an ongoing theme with also letters that she wrote to other men that she dated thereafter. So there, it was quite interesting to kind of see like a mirror between my mother and I and also what was very enlightening especially because this was a shock my mother's death was a shock yes she was on hospice but no but even the hospice workers I mean hospice has been wonderful but I kind of describe it it's a blessing and it also is kind of a curse in many ways I mean you don't want to be in a situation where you're forced to have hospice come in and help because there is a very gray line between saving one's life helping one along and all that stuff but anyway going back to the one hospice worker that came in who was with her weekly she said to me about what happened to me when I was 16 and also to my father 
was that my mother was not afraid to die. And she also said that my mother did not have a regret about shooting my father because she said it was either him or I. But she did have... Did he have a gun? No. Okay. But she did have very strong regrets over me being there. And what the hospice woman said was that she never forgave herself. Because there are a lot of people... For shooting you too. Not, it wasn't about shooting me. It was about me being there. Right. So. Well, if you hadn't been there, you wouldn't have gotten shot. Well, I think it was about me seeing. But okay. what, what's, what's a shame about this whole thing is one of the things I wrote recently on a post when we did the tribute show was that my mother, like people never understood like your mother's living with you and she shot your father. Didn't she go to jail? What, you didn't, like there's, they seem to be fixated and shocked at the fact that I took my mother in to take care of her throughout the, the last years of her life. Mm-hmm. And that to me is just bizarre that people are questioning that. But I must make it clear. I never forgave my mother for what happened. Because I never blamed her. And I think that... For any of it. Right, for any of it. And I told her that throughout her life. Whether or not she believed it, I don't think so. Because as the hospice worker told me, she said that my mother just never forgave herself that's how she lived like that was her persona that she this was who she was the woman who shot her husband and that made me reflect back on the show and the promotion of the show and a lot of press that that we received and I was so happy recently that we received that press in the Bucks County paper Mm -hmm. because that did not mention any of the shooting you know and I remember saying that to her when I showed her that article I said mom I'm really proud of this article because this is the first article that's not attached to my identity and it's not attached to your identity right. but it saddens me that she felt that I may have never forgave her or that she couldn't forgive herself because if you even go back and you listen to interviews that I've done on the radio about the shooting a Mark Berman from a New Jersey radio station interviewed me about it and I've been interviewed for newspaper articles and if those people who wrote the articles go back they will hear me tell the story in such a matter-of-fact way that I would hope that it would send a message It wouldn't have mattered if I was there. For me, mourning my father wasn't about me being in the room and seeing him pass. I would have mourned my father, whether or not he got hit by a car Mm -hmm. or whether or not he died of natural causes. So it bothers me that I never got to express that to her and say to her that you don't need to bother yourself with that burden because that does not come to play in my life. When I talk about it or when I think about it, that does not affect my life. Right. I have some some questions about, I mean, it's, I know that it's sort of the, the angle a lot of people want to talk about because, hey, it's a, a murder, domestic right, violence. Right, It's It's a headline. Right. You know, Lois's, Lois Burek's mother shoots her father. The headline wasn't Lois Burek, you know, reaching her dreams. Right. It, was, it was about your mom, who's not even on the and show. And I kept emphasizing, if I don't know if you remember this, in many interviews, I would say, that may be the headline, right. but the story really isn't the shooting. Right. For me, it was about my father's career. And I've said this, I can hear myself saying it. It's about what led up to that Mm -hmm. because circumstances that they were both thrown in led up to that. I think that's really important moving forward. Your parents, you've been open about, they had a very tumultuous relationship. Your father was a a very intense person. Yes. He had very um, uh, important beliefs and values to him. Did you, and you knew there was a gun in the house. Yes. Did you ever think 
something would happen like that? Never in a million years. And this is why I will tell anybody and everybody and people who know me and that are close to me will remember me saying it. Never say never. When I was 16 years old, I had a conversation with my boyfriend at the time who warned me, who said, when I told him about my parents fighting, don't you have a gun in the house? And I literally said at 16, you're crazy. I own a gun. Who, Nothing who, who like that. Who did own the gun? Whose gun was it? It was bought to protect the household. Okay. I don't know whether or not it was in my father's or mother's name. I know my mother knew how to shoot a gun and a rifle because she was from a farm. She grew up on a farm. Right. You know, my aunt could shoot a gun really well. So it could have been put in her name. I don't know. I don't know if it was put in my father. I don't know what the laws were then because I know at the time my father had some run-ins with the law when, you know, he was convicted and then it was overturned over a case that he was investigating for his radio show where he was blackmailed. So I don't know. So he may have had a record at the time. I don't know whose name it was, but it was bought specifically because we were being harassed. There were fire bombings. There were cherry bombings. There were threats. And that gun was bought to protect the family. And um, the, the day this happened, you were home. Your yes. brother was home too. Yes. Were your parents fighting all day? They had day? been fighting the entire night. What were they fighting night? about? They were fighting. My mother had to go back. I think she was about 42, 43, and she had to go back into burlesque. She had to go back and dance. Now, unfortunately, now today there are burlesque troops, one that we know that are friends of the show, the Peekaboo Review, that are very professional. They perform with an orchestra and everything. But unfortunately, back then, see, I was, I don't know, it was back in the 80s, okay? The only job that my mother could get in what she considered burlesque or stripping, let's let's be real here, right. stripping, was in a bar, in a right. bar setting. And in that setting, you can imagine, I mean, have you been to st a strip club or I, a, I have. a bar? I right. have, Okay, yeah. so yeah. you can, I mean, a there's- skeevy. Yeah, and there are, everyone who's been to one of these places are aware, there are boxed lunches, you know, to put it nicely. I don't nicely. know what that means. <laughs> <laughs> I, have, I really have absolutely no idea. It sounds like something I would not be interested in. Yes, okay. it's definitely something you would not be interested okay. in. Oh, <laughs> say no more. It's it's not, uh, what are those little hamburgers you like? It's not, it's not a... a hamburger? No, <laughs> uh, from White Castle. Oh, oh, yeah, okay. It's yeah. not a takeout order from White Castle. Right. So. <laughs> they got mozzarella sticks in this box lunch? No. Mm. Uh, so. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So, I, need, I need more wine. Or do I? So, is it grape juice? Is it wine? It's theater of the mind. Theater of the mind. What could it be? So, basically, so there here. was a lot of arguing going on over something that had happened at a bar that night. Okay. okay? And my father was in the Did state it of mind. Did involve box lunch? No. Okay. <laughs> But my father was in a state of mind at the time where he was suffering from severe depression. Mm -hmm. He could not work in radio, which was his love, or television. And there was a lot of frustration. We were piss poor. He had invested all the money that he had inherited into a Super 8 film business that was failing. So you can imagine his frame of mind. He was extremely depressed and it stirred up a huge fight. And these fights I had seen before growing mm -hmm. up. So nothing had changed. We we were supposed to do a film, a Super 8 film, a training film for the place that I was working. They did body wrapping. So we were supposed to do a training film. And I was so excited 
to know that my dad was finally going to get to see where I worked because I was doing really well and I was making very good money. And I was excited that my mom and dad were going to come and be a part and engage in part of what I was doing for a living. And so it was leading up to that day. We were supposed to, they had been fighting all night. So I was getting nervous. I was a kid. I was 16 years old. I was anticipating them coming to, you know, film this training video or film. And while they were fighting all night and a lot went on, there were not threats necessarily to do bodily harm. My father was able to manipulate my mother mentally, emotionally. It was some demeaning things were said. So I had come down because I had just lost it at this point. I was, to me, I was an adult. I was 16 years old. I was making very good money on my own. So I came stumbling down the steps and turned to my father and basically tell him off and say, this is it, that we are a family. We are a family unit. It was, I was going to unify everybody and bring everybody <laughs> together and tell everybody Lowest to stop. To the rescue. Exactly. That's the way I felt. Stop this nonsense. Stop this fighting. And before I knew it, it was boom, 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 boom. Did you actually see him get shot? I did. I don't have... Did you have, warn him? No, because I, I didn't know. What, what had happened, my mother was sitting on an old piano bench. We had one time had a, a baby grand piano that was donated later to the YWCA, but we had the piano bench. And the piano bench was used as a place where we sat to do film editing. And the piano bench was broken and it was always kind of wobbly. It was kind of balancing on three legs. And she was sitting on the piano bench kind of like in a corner. And my father turned to face her, to speak with her. And all I heard, and this is what brought me downstairs, I heard, no, Marvin, don't. And I thought perhaps he was going to harm her, which he had never physically laid a hand on her. But his presence, when he, especially when he was younger and he was feeling better, was a very powerful one. We were very intimidated by him growing up. So when I heard no Marvin don't come out of her mouth, that's what generated me to, you know, fly down the steps. And she feared him. You know, and who am I to say, to make a judgment and say she did or did not fear him? I mean, growing up in that household, I get it. There were circumstances where she was forced to go to the bathroom on dog papers you know like the and and there were times where he threatened he was very upset the fact that he was going to have his teeth pulled he had to have his teeth pulled so somehow or other he projected that onto her and a fight ensued and he threatened to pull out her teeth with the pliers now remember never laid a hand on any of us but i can relate where okay your mind is fragile especially this is a day an age where Oh, I have period cramps. Here, take a Valium. Here, Mm. let me write you a script for Ativan or whatever. So I can understand where this environment was created that solicited this kind of reaction. So yeah, I mourned my father, but it wouldn't have mattered how it happened. I did not blame her. But apparently, according to this hospice worker, she never forgave herself. And that was who she was. She never forgave herself for killing him or for you you being there? For me being there. Specifically, because she said, again, she said to her, it was either him or I. Did she ever think she could just fire a warning shot? Did you ever have a conversation oh. where you would say, <laughs> no, I'm yeah. honest, or shoot him in the leg? I mean, I know in the heat of the moment, if you think your life's in danger, sure, you're going to shoot. I don't, oh, I, I don't think that, <laughs> yeah, that's something, <laughs> I don't think that would, like, if 
like put yourself in that position for a right. moment. You don't. It's not like you're a police officer. Like right. they're a police officer that are right. up against right. charges yes. right now. Where you don't. Old Jewish men lives matter. <laughs> we're gonna on that we're note. We're gonna go to a break. <laughs> when we go back, we're gonna finish a little bit of this conversation because uh, I mean I hope people are learning something from it. That's the most important thing because. You know, you have to take accountability in your life and own up to your part in everything to be able to move forward and, you know, grow. So I hope you're going to stay tuned and we'll be right back. And we're back. We're in studio with me, (laughs) Joe and Ryan (laughs) and a Donald Trump chia head. Oh, so Daddy Trump. my mom has been cremated. What a segue. Joe wanted, <laughs> yeah, Joe, she wouldn't like the fact that some people were saying that maybe the We should sprinkle the some outcome. ashes in the Donald Trump No, I don't head. think she'd be happy about that. So, yeah, you had suggested that we bring her down in studio. Well, we need here. a guest. <laughs> <laughs> so put her down here. Are you going to ask her questions? Yeah, we'll see. Yeah. You know, she's... A little on the quiet side, but <laughs> I do. I did very. I very much enjoyed. There was so much to pull. The tribute that we did over the. Mm. Over I didn't the, hear it. How was it? Oh, you great. You it was were good. there initially for oh, the initial clips. I, I, I hear. Debate. I hear it went well though. The debate. Oh yes. The debate. Yep. Yep. Yeah. yep. That was great. Good times. Yeah. So good times. do you have any? You have any more questions for me? Do you have any memories? I do, actually, well, I have. I do have another question for you. And, and back to the the shooting. What? happened right after was she arrested did you still live with her in the house i thought you were gonna say did i still live <laughs> no did you <laughs> well it, immediately after the shooting obviously i as i said in the past i was hit and i was hit in the mm-hmm. leg so i all i had any kind of connection to being shot was like what you see in the movies mm-hmm. you know so i thought i was going to lose my leg yeah. now when you first get shot and a lot of people have said that you have your body's in shock, so you don't even feel it. It's not like you know you're shot, mm-hmm. but there's no pain. Pain doesn't it's come until not later. A tumor. Right, it's a <laughs> hole. There's a big hole in my leg. Mm. So I ran up the stairs, and I had at the time because I was working, making good money. I had my own telephone line, so I called the police. My mother went into the kitchen she called the police my brother at the time had his kind of little living quarters in the basement he called the police now he thought it was the reverse because he was terrified of my father like back in the day not at this point my dad was very disheveled he barely bathed it was depression had hit him very very hard i mean i could be the poster child for just every single disease or terrible whatever depression so he was in his day and i think that's how they remembered him a very intimidating presence. So he ran out of the back of the house saying, my father shot my mother. And then he came around to the front of the house and we had had a division, like a sliding door from porch area where we had our Super 8 film business into the living room. So the dogs were barking and we had two dogs. They were all over the place. So my mother and I waited for, I went back down the steps and we went into the porch area and we waited for an ambulance and we waited for the police. So she called the was police. Was your father dead? We believe he was dead immediately. He I did. mean, how many ever bullets are in a gun? I don't know. The gun was emptied. One went into me. 
One went, we don't know, and the other, how many ever went into my father. So it was pretty instant. I do remember saying that, like, is he dead? Is he dead? And I remember also my brother coming around to the front and then being taken away in the ambulance. I just remember saying to the ambulance, the EMTs, am I going to lose my leg? Am I going to? And they thought, you know, they were laughing at him. No, honey, you're not going to lose your leg, you know, because I'm thinking these old Western movies, you know, where people get their legs amputated for getting shot <clears throat> and at that point all i cared about was calling in to work <laughs> i was telling the police officer you know please call my boss can i get a note <laughs> right please call my work please call my work and you know and i remember wow. them commenting on that there was a, a, a female officer was like all this girl cares about she was just shot and all she cares about and then she was arrested and she got out on bail and the trial wasn't then till a year later so and you all still lived in, the, in that house yes i went back obviously and because i had to recover so my mother they not only did she have bail but they also felt it was important that she be there because she had to take care of me essentially because you know i was in a wheelchair mm-hmm. for a little while so Wow. It's sad in some ways because when people listen to the show or when they read the news articles, they only hear that about your mom. They don't right. know a lot else about her. Right. And those of us who worked on the show knew a different side of her. Well, and I'm glad you said that. One of the the last, I mean, when I would come here for the show, you usually would pop in and just say hi to her and or just shout over to her door if it was open. And one of the last interactions I had with her was... You asked me yes, I did. to go and interview your mother yes. and record some answers right. while she's in her hospital bed, yes. probably watching MSNBC or some yes, sort of liberal probably. news channel. She loved, um, oh, what was her name? Um, Rachel Maddow. Ma- Rachel Maddow. Yeah. Loved her. Yes, yes, yes. And I went in there and I did ask her some questions about what it was like when your brother came out right. and what your father and her reaction right. was. and. I didn't know what to expect mm-hmm. from her. I did not expect tears, <laughs> which was a little hard. Cause she she was very emotional about that. I don't have any idea what she said because I don't remember. Or, and <laughs> I haven't to the recorded show. <laughs> But I do remember <laughs> that, I, that she was crying. What did she say? She basically, I think, stated what I had always believed, that my father had a difficult time with it, and they never. her biggest regret was that they never made peace with it. I think one of the reasons why my father had a hard time with my brother being gay, not because he had, you know, he was homophobic by any means, but you remember that he came from a generation that this was not quite understood. And he was very supportive of anybody who was the little guy. You know what I mean? Like he was always. Dwarves? No, for like, he was (laughs) always. Tiny hands. (laughs) He was always for the downtrodden and, Mm. you know. And anybody who had a hard time, you know, because they were different. Mm-hmm. The blacks. And, <laughs> the, very much. He mm-hmm. was a big civil rights. But do you remember, uh, now I can't remember her name, the one with the orange juice. She was, uh, she was against oh, Anita, Anita Bryant. Anita yes, Bryant. Anita there you go. Bryant. He yeah. hated her, my father. Yeah. So I tried to explain to my brother later, and I think my mother adopted the same opinion, that it was just awkward for my father. He didn't know what to do. He didn't. My dad was very, you know, sports, sports, right. you know, boxing. So it was difficult. I think he knew very early on because of the different things that my brother 
brother was attracted to. You think he to. was afraid he would bring home a boy who wasn't Jewish? <laughs> no, no, not at all. That was it at all? Not at all. Not Is there a male shiksa? Does no. that apply to both? But I'm actually glad you brought that up about hmm. people not knowing about how my mother played a role because it was huge with the show because as you remember, Joe, we started in a studio in Philadelphia. I do. I do remember and that. And we had to leave there because, well, basically she went out of business mm -hmm. so i was devastated because we were on a roll we had just gotten our article in the daily news mm -hmm. published and we found out we had no place to do the show and i had posted that had happened on facebook and somebody reached out to me and said you know you can have the show right in your home and this was all new to me the uh, equipment was expensive mm -hmm. and i had made some bad decisions since i had closed my business and i lost a lot of money you know i i made some bad decisions with men that I dated mm -hmm. and that used me and took advantage and oh, and goodness. I had uh, bad luck with the Go house. Get your mom's gun. Where the, yeah, <laughs> things were just, you know, I take complete responsibility for the decisions I made and they put me in a bad position financially. So I was in a position at that point and this was awkward for me because I was always the breadwinner. In mm -hmm. my entire family, I was always the breadwinner. Yeah. And I... No box lunch for you. <laughs> and I had to go to my mother with my tail. <laughs> I still don't know what that means. I'll show you pictures later. Okay. And I went with my tail between my legs kind mm -hmm. of to my mom and asked her for the money and you know she had had some a little bit of money at the time she you know footed the bill she said well will i ever get the money back <laughs> <laughs> yes mom that we're gonna be famous we're gonna make it big Woo! and you know and and all these wonderful things and yeah they're called delusions Go no ahead. hopefully you know no i'm not gonna say hopefully they that will still happen and um, she gave me the money to buy the equipment that we are still using today. Really? Yes. Wow. So my mother had a huge part in this show. So I'm glad you brought that up because you're right. There is a lot of emphasis on this radio show is about the memory of my dad mm -hmm. and celebrating my father's career in radio for free speech and all this. But my mother was a huge part in helping us go forward. We wouldn't forward. have this if it weren't for That's her. That's right. That's right. So, so thank you, Ma Duke. Yes. So, yeah. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> Yay!